0: Influencing popular culture, politics, and everything in between. The Local Station takes you ringside as we discuss the crazy world that is professional wrestling. This is Going Ringside with The Local Station.
1: Hello there, and thanks for joining us on another episode of Going Ringside. I'm your host, Scott Johnson. Thank you again for joining us today. As always, keep spreading the word to anyone you out there, anyone you know out there who may be interested in the show. Give us a follow on TikTok and Instagram at at @goingringside. We're putting exclusive content up there every single day, stuff that you may not see here on the podcast. So give us a follow there. So we appreciate you tuning in. Last week was a big episode, an important episode. We had a lot of interest in it. When we really broke the story of Tammy Sitch's uh, current legal status here at Going Ringside with uh, the fact that her trial was supposed to start August 21st, and then we learned the day the show went to air that it was not going to happen, that she walked into a Volusia County courtroom on DUI manslaughter charges and told the judge, I'm pleading what's called open. That's what the state attorney's office tells me, essentially meaning no contest, meaning I'm not going to contest this trial. We're going to go straight to sentencing. I've been in touch with the state attorney's office with prosecutors. They tell me her lawyers will probably try and work with the judge at sentencing later this year to maybe get a lesser sentence but right now she could face up to 26 years in prison for dui manslaughter from a case back in 2022 we of course have followed tammy sitch's uh, really downward spiral for many years as a top wrestler in the 1990s and then becoming uh, a repeat offender DUI after DUI, arrest after arrest after arrest, it has been tragic what has happened in her life and then horrific what happened in uh, Volusia County, Florida, last year when she took the life of a 75-year-old man in a DUI manslaughter case, blew more than three times the legal limit. So we, of course, will be continuing to follow the Tammy Cich case, the case of Sonny, Um, On TikTok and Instagram and of course here on the podcast if anything major happens and of course the big next step for her will be the sentencing late this year which we will continue to monitor. Today I wanted to talk about a very important story in the history of the industry that is professional wrestling this global phenomenon and arguably now today maybe not 20 years ago but arguably now the greatest wrestling family of all time. We're talking about the rise of the Anawae family, a very, very large family, an extended family. That would be the family that makes up people like The Rock, Roman Reigns, Yokozuna, the Wild Samoans, the Usos. Just, it is incredible how broad and impactful this family has been for decades. And I wanted to talk about it here. A little later on, we're going to be talking to uh, L.A. Smooth. He's a wrestler who's part of the Anoa'i family tree, related to The Rock, related to Roman Reigns. He's gonna tell us a little about the impact of his family. Um, we're also gonna be talking to Haku, a legendary all-time wrestler, maybe the toughest guy in the industry, legit tough. He's gonna talk a little later on about something The Rock, Dwayne Johnson did for him a very expensive gift a while back we'll hear from haku also known as ming and uh the uh, king tonga we'll talk to him a little later on then at the end of the show if we want to scroll ahead it's a very interesting interview with two actresses from here in florida who found themselves on an episode of ballers with The Rock. Now Ballers of course is Dwayne Johnson's show that he produced for HBO, wildly popular show about football players in the Miami area, Uh, great show. And we're gonna talk to a couple actresses who got a couple roles on the show and hear from them a little later on in the episode. So I wanna start with the Aniwai family and how it began. It is, let me count because I'm right now looking at their family tree on Wikipedia, it is a large large family tree, I see four generations going from the two guys who kind of started the tree, and that would be High Chief Peter Maivia, real name Fanine Anderson, and a man who is considered his blood brother, and I may butcher the pronunciation of this name, but Amatuane Anawa'e, they close men many, many decades ago, became what they called blood brothers, essentially meaning they had merged their families into one, growing up in Hawaii, Tonga, that area, the islands, and Samoa. Um, and they merged their families, so to speak. Now, Anawa'e, he, did, he was a reverend, he did not wrestle. His children did. High Chief Peter, Peter Maivia did. He became the high chief. He became, I think, the flying Hawaiian was one of his gimmicks. And he was a popular wrestler all over the globe, really starting in the 1960s on for a few decades and started becoming a wrestling promoter out in Hawaii with kind of what was called NWA Hawaii, National Wrestling Alliance Hawaii. Um, He famously married his wife, Ophelia Futaga. Now, this, we're talking about The Rock's grandfather and grandmother. And eventually, High Chief passed away and left um, the territory to his wife to essentially take over um, the territory. Leah Maivia is how people knew her better. And Leah Maivia was considered one of the strongest women um, and maybe the first woman to ever run a wrestling territory. This is after her husband passed, and I'm going to mention it a lot. I might as well get it out of the way now. If you ever want to know about Leah Maivia and the history of their wrestling, just go watch Young Rock. If you don't know what Young Rock is, it is that NBC sitcom that ran for three seasons. It essentially chronicles The Rock's life, but it also just as much chronicles the Via family and them running a wrestling territory in Hawaii, and his grandmother and all the wrestlers they dealt with, from the Iron Sheik to Andre the Giant to Ric Flair to uh, Sergeant Slaughter, all these different guys would come through the Hawaiian territory, a very well-respected territory. I think it was uh, PPW Polynesian Pro Wrestling, I think was the official name of it, but it was essentially NWA Hawaii. And they ran a very strong territory out there. And if you go watch, um, Young Rock, I cannot, if you're a wrestling fan who liked stuff in the 80s, this is for you. It's all the characters by the end of the series are just wrestlers that you grew up on. And Leah via and Young Rock and Rocky Johnson, which I'll get to in a bit, um, were part of all this. So um, if you want to know more about the Anawaia family tree, they essentially tell you in the Young Rock series. That's what the sitcom is all about. It is a family sitcom. Um, you can sit and watch it with the kids. It's just a fun show. Um, so I cannot recommend it enough. NBC put out three seasons of that. Find out. Got canceled a few months ago. Find out where it's streaming and you can watch it. But, so, the two sides of this, Peter Mayavia and Amitona, I'm still trying out the name, Anawae, the Reverend, I'll call him, they both have a lineage that goes into wrestling. Obviously, High Chief and his wife, they start the wrestling promotion. They, they um, have a daughter, Atta, The Rock's mother. I believe uh, Peter Maivia adopted her with, uh, with The Rock's grandmother, adopted uh, Atta to become his daughter. So they have a wrestling lineage already, and then she goes and marries a wrestler. She marries The Rock's dad. Rocky Johnson. So essentially wrestling is just in this family. On the other side of the family tree, you have the Anawa'e family. They give birth to two wrestlers, Afa Anawa'e and Sika Anawa'e. Afa and Sika, the original um, wild Samoans, the head shrinkers. They They had a few different gimmicks out there and I may be mixing my Samoan tag teams, because there were a few iterations, but they were first and foremost the wild Samoans. Particularly in the the early 1980s, a great tag team managed at times by Captain Lou Albano. So essentially, this second generation happens. You have Rocky Johnson and Ata Mayavia, and then you have the wild Samoans on the other branch of the family. And it just continues. So really, throughout this, You add what the Maia were doing in Hawaii and Rocky Johnson, who was having a good amount of success, The Rock's dad, wrestling for WWF with Tony Atlas as a tag team, wrestling around the world, a popular wrestler. Um, And and it it brings some of of The Rock's ethnic heritage. He is half black on Rocky Johnson's size, half Samoan on his mom's, uh, mother, Atta. That's essentially what his heritage is. And then on the other side you have the Samoans, you have Offa and Sika. You have they had a lot of children. I think they had like seven or seven children, I believe. But the two wrestlers were Offa and Sika, the Wild Samoans. And the Wild Samoans and Rocky Johnson were essentially the three wrestlers throughout the nineteen eighties for this family. And if you watch Young Rock, you can kind of it chronicles Rocky Johnson's career as well. He goes up and then it kind of it kind of wavers years later. But this is what The Rock grew up in. This is what other wrestlers on the Anawae side, like Yokozuna, Rosie and Jamal, you may remember, uh, Fatu, who was Rikishi, Tonga Kid, and let me make sure yes, Liati Joseph Joe Anawae, AKA Roman Reigns. These are the children, the third generation of the Anawae clan which is just, it just keeps growing. So first generation, High Chief. Second generation, the, the Wild Samoans and Rocky Johnson. Third generation, this family tree is growing. You have Yokozuna, Rosie, uh, Roman Reigns, Tonga Kid, who is Tama, Umaga, Rikishi, and The Rock. This is a growing family tree which is just amazing with the amount of talent there. But really, nothing had really changed for this family until the mid-1990s, because prior to the mid-1990s, the only real role the Anoa'i family had on any sort of massive uh, national or global scale was as this Samoan gimmick. That would be your wild Samoans. That would be uh, the Tonga kid, who was Tama. He was part of the Islanders team. And along the way, they they kind of married and, and, and meshed with two other very well-known Island um, wrestlers. That would be Jimmy Snuka, who's related to this family by marriage, and um, Haku, uh, who's also known as Ming. And we're going to get to him a little later on. But really, the only gimmicks they had up until the mid-1990s was as that of just... Island-born wrestlers, be it the wild Samoans, be it the islanders, things like that. They pretty much were pigeonholed into one gimmick. In the mid-1990s, that changed on the back of one man. That would be Rodney Anawae. So Rodney Anawae uh, was one of the was one of the third generation of the Nwa family. And he comes in, and he is wrestling in different places like Japan and Mexico as a guy named the Great Coquina. He essentially looked like one of the um, Wild Samoans, but just larger. He was really, really big. And along the way, the Samoan team had kind of changed over the years with, with, the, with the uncles who were off in Sika and eventually some of the others. Uh, Fatu kind of got involved. Um, and I think Rikishi got involved. They had the, the, the head shrinkers. They were called the head shrinkers. The wild Samoans, the Samoan SWAT team, and they would mix and match different members of the family. But when Yokozuna came around, that changed because he was the first one that was not really considered um, a Samoan. Because right around the time he was hired by WWF at the time, now WWE, in the early to mid-1990s, they had brought in the Head Shrinkers, which was another some iteration of that Samoan team, these savage guys from the islands. Well, they can't really make Yokozuna a third one. They tried for a brief time, but they decided we need to do something different. And they say, how about we make him not Samoan, not, not from the islands. How about we pretend he's Japanese and make him a sumo wrestler? And that's what they did. And Rodney Anawai became Yokozuna. And he came with a, I think it's, they call it a mawashi and the robe, and Mr. Fuji was his manager. And he got really, really big, I mean, as a star. Uh, Physically, he was obviously big. He got over 600 pounds at one point, maybe more. But Yoko captures the world title. He was really the first break from what WWF had done in the years prior. Because you had Hulk Hogan, you had the Ultimate Warrior, you had Bret Hart, you had, I don't think Shawn Michaels had won the title yet at that point. You had good raw meat. Baby faces, but you'd never had what was called kind of the, the giant monster heel hold the title. Yokozuna did, and he held it for a long time. He was a dominant champion, having feuds with Bret Hart, having feuds with The Undertaker. And he was a really big name. And, and when Yokozuna became the champion, it was kind of a watershed moment for the NWA family. It was the first time a global wrestling company like WWF and Vince McMahon decided, I'm going to do something more with these wrestlers who originated in the islands. I'm going to turn Yokozuna into a major star. After that, things start to change for the NWA family. And as the um, Yokozuna's time on top is starting to wrap up, this new guy comes around. In 1996, a babyface, stealing the first name of his dad, stealing the last name of his grandfather. His name was Rocky Maivia. Dwayne Johnson started out right around the time Yoko was ending. He thanks um, Haku for helping him get into the company. And obviously, if you once again, if you go back and watch the Young Rock series, you'll see how this all unfolded. It pretty much is the show mirrors the reality of his life. So Rock comes out as Rocky Mayavia, kind of a force-fed baby face on the fans. He's gonna do the right thing and do all the right exciting things, and the fans are gonna love him. Right? Wrong. Didn't work out that way because this was 1996, 1997. The children who grew up on Hulk Hogan had gotten a little bit tired of being force-fed good guys and bad guys, and they were changing their interest. He's showing up around the time this guy named Stone Cold Steve Austin is giving people the middle finger and becoming more popular than anyone in the company. He comes in around the time Degeneration X is showing up and giving crotch chops to people. So what to do? Because the fans start booing Rocky Maivia and they start chanting, Rocky sucks. Die, Rocky, die. Hmm. How do you handle that? So they turn him bad. They turn him heel. And as the nation of domination absorb Dwayne Rocky Mayavia Johnson, And he's really um, comes to the aid of Farouk, who is Ron Simmons. And we talked to Ron Simmons in a previous episode. You can go watch our old live episode where we interview Ron Simmons about bringing The Rock into the Nation of Domination right now. Um, Just look up the old Going Ringside episode. And pretty soon, Rock develops an attitude and is drawing a lot of heat, like a lot of heat from the fans. They are booing him, and he's playing to it and he grew up in this industry. His dad, his grandfather, his uncles, his cousins, he kind of understood what he needed to do. And before you know it, Dwayne Johnson changes the gimmick. He ditches the Rocky Maivia and he becomes The Rock. And the rest is wrestling and, frankly, mainstream U.S. history. He becomes arguably the greatest wrestler of all time. I mean, you can argue him, Austin Hogan. I don't think there's a wrong answer. But what Dwayne Johnson did surpassed all of them. He goes on to become the face of the company, him alongside Steve Austin. And it doesn't stop there. His star just does not. It's still going today, 25 years later. It goes to hosting Saturday Night Live, to his first movie, then a second movie, then becoming the biggest actor in Hollywood. So after Rock does well, other members of this family start doing well, too. There was one who was kind of a contemporary of the Rock during all this time, but had never had a main gimmick. That would be Rikishi. I think he'd been part of one of the early Samoan iterations. He eventually was Fatu, Do the Right Thing, in the mid-1990s. But as The Rock became popular, Cousin uh, Rikishi comes in, and they bring him in. He kind of looks like a Yokozuna, but he would put his butt cheeks out there so he could look at them, and they were huge, and he'd do the stink face. You know Rikishi and what he'd do. And he would do the dances with... Um, too cool or whatever their name, whatever Brian Christopher uh, and Scotty Tuhati's name was. Um, and they would dance out there. I think too Cool was their name. And Rikishi got over. He was a ma- one of the main guys of the company. So Rikishi does well. Eventually they bring in Rosie and Jamal. Um, who go on to, to Rosie was this huge guy, and then Jamal, eventually uh, Edward Fatu eventually becomes Umaga later on and was part of that iconic match involving Donald Trump and Vincent Pan's hair versus hair match. He's right in the middle of that. At the same time, eventually you have this guy named Joe. Tried out, wrestl- or tried out football, didn't work out, kind of similar to what Dwayne Johnson did. And in 2012, they bring in Joe, a.k.a. Roman Reigns, as part of the Shield. And you know he's got the pedigree at this point. Once again, with the exception of Umaga, following the advent of Yokozuna, I don't think the wild Samoan gimmick was ever used again. All these, uh, all these wrestlers coming from the islands were not just based on their island background i mean there it was to a point i think the yosos kind of were but but it, they weren't just pigeonholed into that wild samoan gimmick they brought into them and vince mcmahon realized what he could do with his family um so you have roman reigns and roman reigns is what he is today uh he is the tribal chief, the bloodline, the Usos eventually came in, the Rock's children eventually came in, more Fatus, all these. I mean, there are so many members of the Anawa'e family from the via side to the Anawa'e side. The Snuka's are married into the family. It is just this gigantic family. They kind of really have been the face of wrestling for 25 years. And then before that, they were still major players prior to Yokozuna. Very respected family in this industry. So one of the people I talked to and had a chance to talk to was one of the Anawaes. That would be Lloyd Anawae. He wrestled under the name, or still does, under the name L.A. Smooth. Now, he is one of Afa's sons. He's one of Afa's children. Lloyd Anawa'e, L.A. Smooth, sat down and talked with us a little about his family and, his, and their history and the impact they have had on the industry. It was a very good perspective to hear a member of the Anawa'e family explain all his family has meant to this industry. So here's our interview with L.A. Smooth, Lloyd Anawa'e, about his iconic family. Well, we're excited to be joined now by L.A. Smooth, a longtime wrestler, part of the Anoa'i family, part of the Samoan dynasty. Yes, thank you for joining us today, sir.
0: Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, it's you know, it's a great pleasure to be here actually uh, in Jacksonville at the uh, Jacksonville uh, uh, River City uh, Wrestling
1: Con. I, this is my third year here and uh, always having a good time. Now, you've been in wrestling a long time, deceptively long. 36 years. Talk to me a little
0: about how did you get started? Well, I mean, you know, it was natural. You know, my dad and my uncle, which are the Wild Samoans, and uh, it was kind of easy for us to get in wrestling because it was, like, just natural for us, you know? So uh, I started at age 15. And, really? That yeah, young? I started where were at, you at? Uh, We lived in Connecticut, and then okay. we moved from by Stanford, Connecticut. We moved to Allentown, Pennsylvania, where my dad opened up a gym. And then I started helping train my dad's, And then at age 15 to 16, I started working for,
1: uh, you know, independent. 17, I was working with WWF. What has it been like to watch what your family has accomplished in this company? I mean, it was it was high chief and uh, and your uncles and they did a lot. But in the last 15, 20 years, it has exploded. Well, actually, 25 years, it has exploded with what your family has accomplished.
0: You know, we're all blessed, you know, because uh, right now we are actually the biggest wrestling family in the wrestling industry, you know, Uh, and, um, you know, thanks to my dad and my uncle for starting all of us off, you know, from Rikishi to Yokozuna to my brother Samu and the list goes on and on. So we're actually on our third generation of wrestlers. And, uh, you know, Nia Jax is part of our family, uh, Haku, you know. So we got a big family and it was always, uh, you know, in the beginning it was I really didn't look at it, you know, but now I see how our family is in the wrestling business and me being part of it. And, you know, it's just it's just a, really a blessing. It really is. It was
1: exciting to see what happened with Yoko.
0: Yes, I was there when he actually started the Yokozuna character and really? um, yeah. We were all there, that was back in 1993. Was
1: that exciting for him or was he kind of not sure what to do with that sumo gimmick? Hey,
0: you know what, it was funny because he d- didn't think he was gonna do a sumo gimmick, but actually who came up with that was Sergeant Slaughter. Really? Yes, he came up with that character, you know, cause Vince said, I got one of the biggest Samoans here besides the rest of the family. He goes, what am I gonna do with him? And then Sarge said, make him a sumo wrestler. And then they said, all right. And then Sarge came up with the name Yokozuna. And it stuck. And that was probably the best thing that ever happened.
1: What's it been like to watch what's happened with
0: both Dwayne and Roman? I think it's great. I'm so happy that, you know, uh, Dwayne, uh, you know, he, what he accomplished, you know, the biggest movie star right now in the industry and besides wrestling. And uh, I think Roman will be the next one because. He's got that look and Vince told him from the beginning he was going to make him one of his number one superstars and look at him now. He's
1: on top of the world. So sadly Young Rock was canceled in like the last 48 hours. But despite that it was a great show What was that like it was centered literally on your family. Is that a little awkward to have your family be the center of a NBC primetime sitcom. Yes. You know but. I followed it and I watched it and, you know,
0: everything he did was basically true that happened in his and life. That was an accurate portrayal. Yeah, it was actually accurate, you know, majority of it, you know, like with my dad and my uncle and his dad and all the traveling, all that is true. So he was really putting his life out there to let people know how
1: his life was. Was it interesting to watch what happened after Yoko and when Rock starts to become popular, that you have the Hearts, the Von Erics you have the famous wrestling families, then... Gradually like, wait a minute, that Anoa'i family, they may be the biggest of all time. Yeah, you know, because it actually
0: back in the, the the 80s, you know, or late 80s and 90s, that's when we all started getting into business. But then after that, all the nephews wanted to start wrestling and we were training them, and then they were training their kids, and then now there's I say there's about 17 of us right now that are wrestling in the, in the wrestling industry. Now,
1: where can people find you? How do they find you? Where will you wrestle? Tell me more. Well, you know, recently
0: um, I'm not wrestling right now because about two and a half months ago I was, just had a kidney transplant.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Yeah, I was on dialysis for about a year and a half. And, uh, you know, just March 28th, my, actually, wife was my perfect match. And she gave me a kidney and she gave me a second chance at life. So. I'm going to take advantage of it, and wrestling is always going to be in my life. I'll be a part of it, and who knows? I might get back in the ring sooner than I'm supposed to, but, you know, I'm just happy to be a part of it,
1: and, uh, How you know, can people find you if they want to learn more about you?
0: Well, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, uh, all social media. Uh, you could find me at Lloyd Anawaii on Facebook, uh, Great Alofa on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, hit me up, and I love talking to all my, uh, you know, fans and all that, and, you know, hey come tell you you know hit that button
1: like it la smooth thanks so much for joining us i appreciate it thank Thank you you. very much very nice guy and i didn't know la smooth uh i didn't know him like the rest of his family so he was kind of sitting next to us at that wrestling con convention here in jacksonville florida and i met up with him a very nice guy very interesting story and i loved hearing his perspective about his family and one thing he talked about that was interesting that we brought up was um the families the dynasties of the family. So wrestling has always really been a hard industry to get into if you're not a member of a wrestling family. You can, it's difficult, but you've had the great families. You have the Hearts, you have the Von Erichs. you have a family that we were discussing recently that doesn't get a lot of credit is the Rotundas and the Wyndhams and, and their various generations, back to Blackjack Mulligan up to all the members of their family they have in wwe today um, and then of course the mcmahon's who you kind of put an asterisk next to them because they run the company but you have to argue as far as wrestling families goes the Rhodes, the flares the NY family may be the greatest of all time because of the sheer volume obviously there's the rock roman reigns yokozuna three Top, top, top top-level guys. And that does include the Rikishis, the Samoans, uh, the the links to the Snookas and the Hakus of the world. Just, there's so much broadness to this family. And by broad, I mean it branched out so far. They accomplished so much. They're really the top family in wrestling today. They were in the top family in wrestling maybe 25 years ago. And they've been in wrestling since the 1960s. Like, it's, it is unfathomable what this family has accomplished in this industry. Global names like Dwayne Johnson and Roman Reigns. Um, one of the things they did that I, that I kind of mentioned was that they did really branch out and kind of merge with other families. They, they, through marriage, they're related to Jimmy Snuka's family. Another member of the family who, that they consider family that Rock considers his uncle is Haku, Uh, formerly King Haku or Ming, you knew. Haku has legendarily been considered the toughest guy in real life who ever laced up a pair of wrestling boots. Um, And he is just a true icon in this industry, wrestled all over the world, wrestled in WWF, WWE, wrestled in WCW, Uh, major player for many years, and there was a story, I think it was eight years ago, where Rock, at the peak of his celebrity, did something nice for who he considered, I think he calls him Uncle Tonga, Haku. Brought him a band, bought him a brand new pickup truck. I bumped into Haku at that event that I was at, where we talked to Lloyd. And just asked him. We talked to him. We're going to do a full episode on Haku in coming weeks, and I don't want to give it all away. But I didn't want to bring up this uh, thing about the gift from the Rock about this pickup truck. Haku is now living down in Kissimmee, Florida, which is kind of a suburb of Orlando. Um, and I asked him about it. I said, "What about the truck that the Rock gave you?" Here's my uh, quick soundbite with Haku. I hear you recently got something from Dwayne Johnson. Is that accurate? Well, you know, I really appreciate it. I had a Big truck there
2: that yeah. you know I'm driving it around nowadays. You know when you live in Simi, you had to have a truck. You yeah. know to become a rednecks. You know you had to yeah. be you
1: know with the truck there. A fun interview with Aku. We're going to talk to him a lot more in an upcoming episode. He uh, is really interesting because he is considered the legit toughest guy in the in the industry, and some of the bar fight stories about him are freakish, and we're going to share those on an upcoming episode. Um, but one of the reasons why the Anoa'i family really, I think you have the Hearts and the Von Erics, but the Anoa'i's are up here is because of The Rock. I mean, he is what he is. He is a global phenomenon. He is a a, a celebrity that we haven't seen. I mean, When you think of him, you think of guys like Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, and others, you know, top action stars of their day. But Rock has something else that I don't think any of them had. Rock was already a global phenomenon as a wrestler, which a lot of non-wrestling fans don't really appreciate. He just was. And he's the huge movie star. And he's doing the Football League. And he's doing everything else. I don't know that I've seen a star like The Rock before. I mean, everyone's pigeonholed. I mean, Schwarzenegger, I mean, I guess Schwarzenegger maybe he became the governor of California and Mr. Universe, and so maybe you could maybe Arnold Schwarzenegger is the best comparison. I don't know. There have been very few people in the history of the entertainment industry who have been as big as The Rock, who have been as big as Dwayne Johnson. Which brings me to my other interview that I want to talk about today. And that would be one of Dwayne Johnson's uh, big projects is the TV show Ballers that he produced for HBO. It's a show about uh, the Miami pro football scene. Um, Great show. People love it. Well, a couple actresses who are here in Florida just happened to end up getting a role on the show for an episode. And we asked him, why don't you come on and tell us a little about that? Um, They had had some interesting, funny story about their background with pro wrestling. One of them did, and you'll hear that in this interview. Um, But we asked them to come on and tell us about your experience going on Ballers out of the blue, getting roles on there, working with The Rock. What was that like? What's he like on set? Here's our interview um, with Kirsten Harwood and Erica Anderson, two actresses in Florida, who got a chance to, a few years back, go on Ballers and have a quick role on there. Here's our interview. Well, we're excited to be joined right now by two actresses and models from Northeast Florida, Kirsten Harwood and Erica Anderson. Thank you, ladies, for joining us today to talk about being on The Rock's show, Ballers, on HBO. Before we get to that, because that's what we're here to talk about, I wanted to talk a little about your background. Erica, let's start with you. You have a new movie just released that you start in on Amazon. Tell me about it.
2: Yes, it's called Traitors. It's about two sisters that switch bodies, and we unravel a whole variety of mysteries of, about each other's lives. Um, and that was very exciting. It was a local film, yes. So a
1: lot was filmed here in Northeast Florida.
2: Yep, Jacksonville, Florida, the whole thing.
1: OK, very cool. Mm-hmm. And Kirsten, tell me a little about, before Ballers, you had some sort of overlap with WWE. I think years before that, is I that did. right? I
3: did, I did. So I went to the WWE in 2014 Okay. with an ex of mine. We yeah. together at time, obviously. Yeah and he was asked to do the opening song for Randy Orton. He was playing in a band Very called cool. Red Theory at the time. Okay. So we did that and you know, I went in thinking, "Oh, I'm going to get it to sit up front and watch this whole thing and what wrestling's all about."
1: It was a little more than that.
3: A, lo- a lot more. <laughs> Tell me. What do you <laughs> a mean? A lot more. So we were actually stuck backstage for a good 14 to 15 hours with all of these different wrestlers that obviously I knew nothing about. Sure. Um, I
1: saw a couple pictures. I think I saw you and Mr. T in one picture. (laughs) And I saw you and Dwayne Johnson in a picture. Yes. So he was there at the time?
3: Yes. So You knew
1: um, him, I'm assuming. No. You didn't even know him. No. Really?
3: So, funny story there. Um, When I actually saw him, one of the most embarrassing moments of my life, I went, why is he here? I've only seen him on movies.
1: Oh, you recognized him from movies, though.
3: <laughs> yeah, so I'm asking, like, why is this guy here? Wrestling
1: fans right now watching this <laughs> yes. are dying. But okay.
3: Like I said, not the most... Why is that movie guy like,
1: there? Yeah. Yeah.
3: So that was pretty embarrassing after that. Um, I got to know him a little bit more. Great guy. Very, very nice. What very was he? Tight. So
1: he appears to me every time I see him interact with people very down-to-earth, very just easy oh, to talk to. Very was he like one. that?
3: Oh, very much so. How so? What was he like? Uh, gosh, just when you're around him, his whole vibe is just, hey, how you doing? What's up? Like fist bump, like what's going on? Exactly Come the, the guy you hug. see on
1: TV. Yes,
3: like you, like he's known you your whole life.
1: When did you make the connection Oh, this guy was actually a wrestler. Uh,
3: when my ex flat out told me. He said, don't say that out loud again. <laughs> so...
1: Yes, that, that, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, you probably don't want to announce yeah. that backstage at so wrestling. So
3: that was, um, very interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. So, tell me, the two of you are discovered by some producers and ballers at HBO. Mm-hmm. This was what about was a year that? and a half later. About a year and a half That's later. A tell me about that. What was that like? Uh, you both want to get into acting or modeling, and this is your world. It's an HBO series. Yes,
2: yeah. we so had we always we had always done modeling, so this was opening a whole new door for us to express ourselves in acting. Okay, um, and it was just the most amazing experience. The Rock was so poised, and you have hundreds of people in this in this club, and it's like, you know, when the, when the camera's rolling, it's it's crazy, it's crazy, and when the camera comes off, he's so professional, like it didn't even happen. He's a really good
1: actress. I Actor. Look- actor. actor. <laughs> I I look up to him. Yeah, I got you, got you. But uh, but you say he did a good job. So I watched The Rock a lot of his early movies, which had been the early 2000s, and he kind of struggled. He's gotten a lot better. You watching him, he was really good.
2: Progressed 100%. Very good.
1: Very good. So what was he like with the staff, with the other characters i mean I, this was a huge scene i'm assuming a lot of people in it
3: oh there were many many people there between you know all the producers the cast members and then the talent it was it was yes. a very busy day just getting started i mean we were there at what 5 30 a.m and it went on until hours. it was long and half of that i wouldn't say half maybe like four to five hours so your roles were setting
1: up your roles weren't long on camera oh
3: goodness no short it was a 30 second clip and it was so my question though
1: is you still had to be there for the whole several hour process yes
3: because they are rearranging people constantly in scenes just like with Erica's movie we were rearranging different scenes over and over and over again to get that perfect shot there's people don't understand there's so much that goes into setting up a scene and lighting and then you move one thing and everything changes. Audio
2: and then your whole script can sometimes change. Oh goodness. Yeah. They see a look and they say no we want you here. They moved us around. One minute I was with Terrell Suggs and then her and I were both with Rob Cordry, and then they moved us by The Rock and we're like we have no idea what you're about to see when you see this. Honestly we have no idea because <laughs> we so have okay, done so like five parts at this point. <laughs> when you
1: walked back when you went back and watched the show later was it how you remembered it or it seemed different on TV? It was
2: quick fast 30 seconds you saw us and we're like whoa we put a lot of work in good thing they paid us well
1: oh really okay our
2: time definitely (laughs)
1: how quickly between the producers approaching you and to the day when you're shooting was that like quick or was it oh
3: was it a couple weeks maybe it was about a week and a half two weeks so two two weeks
1: prior to the shooting day could you have believed you were going to be starring on an HBO series with the rock
2: never no, Never.
3: we were doing our little small acting, modeling gigs here and there, traveling mm, around For together. fun. Yeah. And I it, just had a baby.
1: Okay.
2: So oh. it was, remember, Austin she was a couple so months small. old. She yeah. So
1: yeah, and then all of a sudden, boom, Hollywood. Well, where was this, Miami?
3: Miami.
1: Okay, so it was Miami. <laughs> well,
3: I'm, I'm sorry, let me correct that. So it actually, HBO Ballers, it yeah. portrays to be in Miami. But the actual shooting location that we were at, it was in West Palm. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, was West yeah. Palm? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they could make it look like Miami with yeah, too much I trouble. It, yeah, I mean, everything. Exactly. So did you deal with Rock much? Did he remember you from yes. a couple of years years? Oh, he no. did remember you.
3: He did. Yes. So <laughs> it was um, it was nice to be remembered by someone yeah. like that. Sure. Um, but there was no communication as far as how busy he was um, that day at the WWE with, oh, yeah, remember this and remember that. There was nothing
2: like No that. time yeah. to talk.
3: Yeah. yeah. The security is
2: very strict on this set.
1: At the set of ballers? Yes, so, yeah.
2: very strict. He had a team of people around him, all his stunt doubles. I knew he was talking it was about... Um, the Rock, remembering you.
3: About, yeah, once yeah. we started on ballers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So he, he did talk on ballers, though?
3: Oh, on My, ballers, there was a lot of communication.
1: <laughs> there was a lot of communication. But you say he, I'm sorry to clarify, so you're saying he had a bubble around him? He did. Okay. He had
2: a bubble. And they it, it moved wherever he moved, but there okay. was—he recognized her instantly. Uh, gotcha. Yep. Now I made
1: the connection. But <laughs> yeah. it was—it um, was definitely something that you could tell he was the center of the room everywhere he went. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very much so. And
3: All eyes on
1: you didn't tell him that you didn't know he was a wrestler, did you? Because he—he may not have liked that very much. Keep that part I private. I
3: actually think I did say something. Did you? I couldn't hear. Okay. <laughs> there was a lot of talk, a lot of giggling, a lot of just friendly but business-like
1: behavior. And, and you just finished your first movie. Going on Ballers, did that kind of give, I mean, you want to do acting, I know, but did th- that really give you the acting bug? Like, this is the world I want to be in?
2: From Ballers? Yeah. Um, I would say I kind of had a little taste, but it was nothing like this time. Now I know playing a lead, I love this. I'm able to sure. really show my character and who I want to be. And There's
1: once it. again, tell me about Traders, where people can find it?
2: So you can go on video, Amazon Prime, yep. and um, rent it there. It's there for now. We might be branching to other places.
1: So. But for now, Amazon Prime for is the now, place to Amazon be.
2: Amazon Prime is the place to find it, Traders, yes. Cool.
1: Kirsten Harwood, Eric Anderson, thanks so much for joining us today. This was a lot oh. of fun Tell us all about Dwayne Johnson behind the scenes, the real guy. Yeah. I want to thank them for coming on. Uh, great insight into what Dwayne Johnson is like. It's interesting that he is the center of the room everywhere he goes. Kind of has that bubble around him, which you would expect on a megastar. And also the producer of that show. So that that does make a difference. I mean, when you look at this thing about the Anaheim family, it is now getting to the point where I think episode three or four of our show, Going Ringside, we do a full episode on could The Rock be president someday? That's still a question that's out there in maybe 2028 or 2032. That's the basis of the TV show Young Rock, that he's gonna run for president in 2032. That's how big this family is. So I'm sure the A family, in one way or the other, is gonna be the subject of a lot of our shows uh, down the road, including more on The Rock, on Roman, The Bloodline. Of course, we're gonna be talking to Haku on an upcoming episode, so a lot of fun. Wanna thank L.A. Smooth for coming on today, and of course, the, the ladies, Erica and Kirsten, for coming on with us to talk about going on Ballers, and of course, Haku who we'll be talking to in a later episode. But that was our drift down memory lane of the Annawae family tree. Thanks for joining us. Please continue to share the episode and give us a follow at at Going Ringside on both TikTok and Instagram. Thanks for joining us today.
0: This has been Going Ringside with The Local Station, brought to you every Wednesday on your favorite podcast player on New Sport Jacks Plus, as well as the New Sport Jacks YouTube channel.